Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. This is the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about leadership and management with government executives and thought leaders who are truly changing the way government does business. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. What is the IT strategy for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA? How is it modernizing its IT systems and infrastructure? And what is USDA doing to use technology to transform the way it operates and meets its varied missions? I'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Gary Washington, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Gary, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. Just to give uh, you know our listeners a sense of the history and mission of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, I was hoping you could provide us with a, a little overview there. The USDA's, you know, I guess primary purpose is to make sure that we provide um, safe and healthy uh, food to America. We have uh, many different activities that we uh, take on, such as animal and plant health, um, you know, uh, uh, food safety. Uh, we we have a research um, arm where we you know we do agricultural research. Uh, we have a foreign presence in terms of the foreign agricultural service as well. Um, and you know we we do a lot of area, we do a lot of work in terms of you know rural development in, in rural America. Um, and and the, we have the forest services in USDA where you know we do a lot of forestry. But I, I think what everybody thinks about is our role with farmers and ranchers. Uh, with the farm service agency, you know, and the uh, activities we do around conservation as well. So we have many diverse missions in USDA, but um, you know, we 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 make sure that you know we're able to feed America in a in a healthy and safe uh, manner. That's great context. So, what about your office as the uh, the chief information officer? Can you tell us about how it's organized and and how do you support the mission of the department? Well. Um, Obviously, I'm the CIO of USDA, and I have a deputy. His name is uh, Bajinda Paul. And in my organization, we basically um, provide uh, policy oversight and governance, you know, for um, cybersecurity. Uh, we manage the uh, entire IT portfolio. Uh, we have a geospatial practice. Um, we have a, a mature data program as well. Um, and then we get into some operational activities across the department in terms of the infrastructure of USDA, uh, the end user support, um, you know, our cloud uh, activities uh, and, and just the overall uh, maintenance and implementation of servers, that kind of thing. We work very, very closely with our mission areas. Um, each mission area has an assistant CIO. Uh, we have uh, nine mission areas. Uh, and they really tend to the um, to the mission area applications and mission area systems, and uh, we work very closely together on enterprise activity, 
in our strategic direction for IT and USDA. That's great. So, you know, good context there on both the mission of the department and your office and how it's organized. But Gary, could you give us a sense of what it is to be the CIO at a department so diverse, but yet with such an important mission as USDA? What's a day in the life of, of the CIO? Well, I, I never have a dull moment, I tell you that. Um, it's, um, uh, well, USDA is exciting. Uh, I get to, um, you know, I have to know about a great many things, not in great detail, but enough to make an informed decision. Um, you know, the secretary and the deputy secretary um, depend on me and empower me to show leadership throughout the department in IT, and they afford me the ability to do that. Um, I well, I'm the vice chair of our um, investment review board at the department level, which is led by the deputy secretary and comprised of all of the um, undersecretaries in the department, as well as the chief financial officer and the budget director. Um, you know, and I, and I sit on other various boards that have a significant strategic importance uh, from an IT perspective. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to, uh, to be in a situation where we are truly taking a business-driven approach to IT. And uh, we strive to uh, make sure that we mature that on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, conferring, um, you know, with uh, policy officials and um, executives in, in the mission areas. I represent USDA on the Federal CIO Council. Uh, I represent our IT interests with OMB and GAO. Uh, obviously, all department CIOs at some point are going to be called to testify on the Hill. So I do that as well. But, um, you know, we've gone through a lot of consolidation and uh, change over the last four years here at USDA. And, you know, I've had the uh, good fortune of being able to lead us through a lot of that. Yeah. And, it, you know, you mentioned the, the the importance of your role and how you work on different uh councils and the organizational changes that you just alluded to, it's got to be challenging. So I was wondering, Gary, what are some of the, say, I don't know, top three management challenges that you face in your role and how, how have you sought to address those challenges? Well, I mean, I, I, if I had to talk about maybe the top three management challenges, the, 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 the one of them um, would be, you know, implementing this, implementing change without impacting, um, you know, business um, mission delivery. And, um, so we have to work very closely with our program areas on, on what we implement across the department. Um, because we have so many things going on as a department um, that, that uh, we don't want any of that to be impeded. Um, the second thing I'd say is, is managing through uh, culture change because um, you know technology does impact culture. Um, it changes the way you do things, you approach your business. Uh, we're really focused on improving our service delivery. So we have to be aware of that. Um, and, you know, I think that the third thing would be, you know, when, when you're making um, decisions that you ensure bring uh, business value to your organization, uh, you can't leave behind the workforce. So, you know, we have challenge, we have to make challenges in terms of, you know, um, preparing our workforce for our future and making sure uh, they are a part of the journey moving forward. It's a great point. So, you know, I think you've been in the role for a little while, um, and I was wondering, maybe 2017 you came over, I believe, um, to this particular role? Yeah, I, I started acting as the um, 
the department CIO on September the 6th, 2017, and I became permanent February the 4th, 2018. Wonderful. So I'm wondering whether it's the when you were acting or the transition to uh, the, the, the full role, what has surprised you most, Gary, as the CIO at USDA? Um, I, I think what surprised me uh, most is, um, you know, how um, how focused, I mean, people just want to be included in the process. Um, they want to know that their interests are heard. And, and it's not really a surprise, but what was surprising to me is how they felt that that, you know, was not happening or could be happening more. So, uh, you know, so we needed to... Uh, Make sure that we had forms to get um, to get our non-IT uh, leaders involved in what was going on. Um, what surprised me also um, was the you know we we have some very very talented people in USDA IT in information technology. So you know we needed. I, I was surprised at the level that they weren't involved in some things, and uh, we try to get them more involved. So, you know, they'll feel they'll they'll feel included in what's going on, and and which will lead to them learning more, and they'll make themselves more marketable and be able to um, see themselves in the future. So you mentioned that you were in the acting role beginning in 2017 as CIO. Could you tell us more, Gary, about your career path and how you got to your current leadership role? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a long one. Um, I, 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 uh, I started in IT uh, when I was in the military in the Air Force um, uh, for 10 years. Um, I did uh, five years in private industry. Um, then I... Um, went to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, where I took on some activities, uh, went to the Department of Treasury for a short stint, spent some time at the Department of HHS. But, um, you know, I, I went to OMB for two years, um, and prior to that, FDA for six. But OMB, it kind of changed my perspective about, you know, IT a little bit. And then um, I became the CIO of NRCS, uh, and then after that, I became the CIO of APHIS, and I, I've been here at USDA as CIO ever since. So what can you tell us, Gary, about the how do you lead? What are some of the leadership principles that you rely on and you employ? Well, you know, I, I, I really think you need to always remember, um, you know, that, you know, you once used to be um, one of those, uh, a, a junior level employee. And, you know, you can't forget where you came from. Um, and you need to meet people where they are. And I, I think people just want you to be honest and transparent with them, um, whether it's good news, bad news, or, or anything in between. And, you know, I treat people the way I want to be treated. And, and I do that with everybody, whether it's the, you know, the secretary or the GS1 that's in the organization. And, um, and all of that has, has been, a, has, has worked for me anyway. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of leading people and because um, they just need to feel comfortable with you and know that, you know, that you being genuine. And, um, you know, so you, you, integrity and honesty are big with me, you know, when it comes to leading and managing, um, not just an, an organization, but an individual. What are the IT priorities for the USDA? 
We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report Financial Management for the Future at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Whitner breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gary Washington, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. You know, going from the mission, your leadership style, Gary, I was wondering if you could tell us more about your IT strategy and, more importantly, what are some of your key strategic priorities for the department in IT? Well, I mean, um, our IT strategy, our new IT strategy is being um, reviewed by our, our secretary as we speak. But basically what's included in that and what will be rolled out here soon, you know, we're really focused on, um, you know, the IT workforce, uh, making sure that we give our employees every opportunity to learn and grow and be successful and you know, keeping a focus on recruitment of our next workforce, IT workforce. Um, uh, in addition to that, um, you know, digitizing USDA, uh, you know, making sure that we implement the customer um, experience ex executive order um, and working with uh, our partners in the Office of Customer Experience here in USDA. And obviously cybersecurity uh, is a gigantic priority of USDA. Um, you know, taking steps to, um, you know, making us more secure from a cyber perspective, uh, working with our partners at DHS, the National Security Council, OMB, on implementing um, cybersecurity um, executive orders and memorandums uh, and the like. And, you know, and, and being just, you know, in terms of governing, just being good stewards of our taxpayers' money by putting the proper controls in place to ensure that we're being business driven and we're making the best investments for uh, our agriculture and the American public. You know, so, you know, we, we strive to be a customer centric data driven organization. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to make informed decisions on, on, on data or, or, or factual data at USDA. See, I was wondering, Gary, are there any like internal uh, or external trends, internal drivers that have shaped and informed your vision and strategy around IT for the department? And what are some of the principles that kind of kind of guide you through the execution of your strategy? Well, I, the, the, the things that drive us are really um, 
the the vision of our leadership, our secretary and our deputy secretary, what they want um, USDA to be. Um, you know, um, and that's not absent of you know the 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 ideas uh, of our mission areas and and what they what they need on a daily basis to to be successful from information technology to enable them to improve service delivery. Um, and obviously, we're informed by you know guidance from other places, you know, such as. Um, this, the uh, customer experience executive order, uh, our cybersecurity requirements, you know, the focus of the, the workforce. I mean, basically outlining uh, a lot of the things that in the president's management agenda uh, has an impact on our vision and our strategy as well. You know, and you know, I'm a firm believer that you, you know, you you this is a team effort, so you really need you know good team members to be successful. So, you know, at the core of all of this is right. You know, making sure that people are prepared to be a part of our plan and vision, our vision and strategy. That's great. You know, I'm, I want to talk about um, sort of delve into, if I could, specific initiatives. And and one is is you're seeing everywhere uh, across the federal enterprise with agencies and departments is IT modernization. And I was wondering, glad if you could talk about some of your efforts around modernizing IT infrastructure and systems, specifically. What about your cloud migration? What are some of the benefits and some of the key challenges of moving to the cloud? Well, <laughs> we've been modernizing for a few years now and we've taken on a lot of things. Um, you know, our, our, our cloud migration has been a, um, a family effort across USDA. Um, we've migrated um, a little over 81% of our applications to the cloud. We give our mission areas choices as to you know, what cloud platforms that they want to migrate to. But we, we do all of this together. Um, the, 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 the mission area CIOs across USDA and Office of the CIO work very closely to make sure that um, we implement, a, you know, a cost-effective um, solutions for mission areas based on their business needs. Um, you know, we, we also taken on um, a, consolidation and modernization in the area in user support across USDA. Uh, we, we've taken that on. Um, you know, we've, we've, we're modernizing our data practices. And uh, the, one big, the one big challenge that we're taking on right now is our network modernization. We're going down from, our goal is to go down from 17 networks to one using the EIS vehicle, uh, the, 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 the federal GSA a vehicle to modernize a network so that we could, you know, provide better services and performance to, to our employees in rural America. So we're very excited about that as well. Gary, how does the migration of applications to cloud platforms reduce operational expenses and increase resiliency? Well, um, you know, what we found is, I mean, I mean, and there's a method to all of this. And, you know, obviously we had to rationalize our application portfolio and we had to identify uh, targeted areas where we could see benefits. So um, all applications are not uh, ready immediately to migrate to the cloud. So, you know, we, um, you know, we took a very structured approach working with GSA as part of our centers of excellence activities that we had. And uh, we work with mission areas to build a business case for migration and show them 
you know, how over time, because you're not going to see your return on investment right away, but how over time moving to a shared platform, uh, you, you will see efficiency gains in terms of speed of access to data and, um, you know, speed of access to your applications. Um, and, and, you, and over time, you will also see some cost savings in terms of the cost to, to maintain uh, that environment. Um, and, it, and it also assisted us in getting rid of some legacy, uh, legacy apps and, 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 quite frankly, legacy systems altogether. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was wondering about that, and you're 100 right. There's a formula to this, but uh, how have you and the bureaus within your department reorganized the structure of I, of the IT organization in order to kind of enhance the operation and streamline accountability? Well, um, there was a time when I think we had about uh, twenty some odd CIOs here at USDA. Um, you know, I admit that um, when I first started, our governance structure wasn't as strong as we would like it to be. So you could imagine um, with that many people trying to make come to uh, making a decision, it was very difficult. And, you know, uh, you know, we had some folks that um, tried to go, you know, they would they would they would do what they thought was best. So, you know, after reviewing where we were. We thought it was best to to streamline um, and consolidate uh, how we make decisions, and we did that by um, assigning assistant CIOs by mission area. So we went from almost thirty CIOs down to to nine assistant CIOs to nine. Um, we've been working very hard uh, to, in addition to that, to strengthen uh, at the at the department level our governance and our decision-making, and we did that. And, and we're, we're practicing, we're, we're, we've put that in place and we're doing it now. Uh, and making sure that, uh, you know, IT is not making these decisions in a vacuum, that these are, these are business decisions that are made. Um, and uh, our, our, our investment review board is led by deputy secretary and, um, you know, the, the voting members our leaders from the mission areas, the undersecretary and deputy undersecretaries. We have a very strong CIO council here at USDA, and we have a, a overall governance and decision-making approach, and it's, and it's working. Uh, everybody's informed of investment. Um, so, you know, it, it's a good thing for all of us. Yeah, Gary, when you talk about the governance and you talk about the IT capital investment process, and uh, I was wondering, what were some of the challenges uh, to achieving a, a steady state that actually works and operates well? Well, I, I, I think, um, you know, everybody did not know what we were required to do. So that was the first thing. I mean, pretty clear to me what we are required to do uh, from a governance viewpoint. I mean, there's, there's guidance from OMB, uh, you know, GAO, um, you know, IG has been phenomenal in keeping us on point. Um, but, you know, getting out there and explaining to people, you know, what we are required to do in terms of not, in, in terms of how we govern, set the strategic vision, um, you know, for, for IT. IT was thought of as this back, this really back office activity, but, 
is really a USDA, a, um, a strategic enabler for our uh, mission areas and in, 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 in our, in our, in our stakeholders and our customers. So, um, you know, we have a more, we now have a more strategic focus on, on, US, on IT at USDA. Um, and in addition to informing people what the requirements are, you know, we, we also have to talk to people about what their role in that is, you know, because roles are important because, you know, you have people, you have individuals that are not IT leaders that try to make IT decisions, you know, so, you know, we, 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 we are trying very aggressively and very strongly to make sure that our component or our missionary CIOs are in a position to do their jobs and make the appropriate decisions that they're required to make. Yeah, that's important. And you, and you mentioned that the, the mission of IT is a strategic enabler for the department to accomplish its, uh, its uh, achieve it successfully. So I was wondering, what are you doing to strengthen portfolio and risk management capabilities across the department uh, from a technology enterprise? Well, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's, it's about communication and collaboration. I, I think, um, you know, uh, Ms. Kim Jackson, who manages um, our IT portfolio for the entire department, she and her staff do a, a, a phenomenal job. But, you know, we make sure that our leaders are aware of, uh, you know, not just the size of our portfolio, but what's going on with our portfolio and how each mission area fits into that, what they spend. Um, we work very closely uh, with our uh, budget director staff uh, and our chief financial officer as well. So, you know, our, our portfolio is, is, is governed and managed effectively. Uh, transparency is, is, is the key here. You know, everybody needs to know, you know, where they are and what their situation is. And we allow, um, we, 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 take it upon ourselves to have individual conversations with our missionaries about their portion of the portfolio and, and how we can, we can help them meet their, uh, meet their goals in terms of, you know, cost avoidance and savings and, and, and finding efficiencies and that kind of thing. How is USDA leveraging automation and other emerging technologies? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center Report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, Joel Gurin and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gary Washington, 
Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Gary, what are you doing around the issue of IT security uh, and combating cyber threats? Well, um, I, I think there's a, a lot to that. Um, you know, we take, as other agencies as well, we take cybersecurity very, very seriously. And um, so we, I think, you know, cybersecurity is, is, a, is a family effort. It's not just on IT, but everybody has a role. And everybody needs to know what their role is. And um, you know, we we once we get guidance um, and and we're informed of um, solutions or practices that we're required to implement, um, we ensure that it's communicated up and down, and uh, you know, people are aware of what we we're, we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And uh, we, we ensure that the missionary CIOs are involved and their leadership. Um, you know, cybersecurity is not a, a, a sexy word or, or practice, but everybody knows it is, um, you know, it is it's required, it's a must, and it's designed, you know, we, we need to protect ourselves from uh, bad actors. And, uh, and, and I think everybody gets that. So when I first started, there was a lot more resistance than there is now. I, I think people understand, uh, they get it that, you know, it's very important for them to take their security awareness training, uh, be informed, you know, read the rules of behavior, um, practice good cyber hygiene, uh, those kinds of things. So uh, I think we've come a long way, not just in implementing tools but and practices, but um, including the whole community. And, and where, where we're going with cybersecurity and, and, and the requirements that we have to meet. That's important information. So, you know, Gary, how has uh, the COVID-19 pandemic impacted how the department operates? And where I'm going with that is with telework, the transition to telework. Are there any lessons learned? And how did you fare operationally from an IT perspective in this regard? I think we fared pretty well. I mean, um, I you know, a lot of what we needed to do was already in place when I became a CIO. So um, when we went full bore telework or remote working, um, you know, we were able to respond um, very quickly. Um, you know, and as time went on, you know, we had to continue to take steps to provide people the tools that they needed to um, be productive in their homes or wherever they worked from, you know, in a, in a telework or, or remote work environment. So uh, we, to this point, and, you know, we have been successful in supporting um, all 100,000 employees, the USDA, and um, we haven't skipped a beat. I mean, I don't really think production has gone down. Um, you know, matter of fact, we may be even more productive in, in that regard, but um, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in being able to support USDA and make sure that we're able to function every day from a technology perspective. So COVID, you know, we knew we had to respond. And, you know, I'm very proud of the way our IT workforce responded in that regard. Gary, how is USDA using robotic process automation, RPA, and bots to change the way it does business? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we have a whole practice around um, RPA, uh, in, in, in terms of how we use it, um, you know, we first started because, you know, there was an opportunity from OMB. I partnered with the CFO here and she and she wanted to uh, get she wanted to automate some of the things that she did in her office. So we worked together on that. 
um, then it further expanded out to, we set up a whole service management office here at USDA, you know, solely around providing um, robotic process automation services to our mission areas. So we partner with our mission areas. We have a whole methodology and practice around that. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are excited about the opportunity to automate, you know, currently manual processes and being able to um, see a structured process to do so. Um, we, we've seen return on investment on that. Uh, you know, we have more and more people wanting to engage in RPA uh, activities every day, well, uh, all the time. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's, that, that's a practice here that's growing. That's a practice, you know, we, and we have different, we have different approaches to RPA uh, as well. You know, we have a centralized approach to it and a decentralized approach to it as well. But in both, in both approaches, um, you know, we, we are here to support, um, you know, support our customers, you know, across USDA in that regard. You know, as a follow-up, Gary, how is your department leveraging other emerging technologies like AI and machine learning blockchain? And what kind of promises do they hold for you in, in achieving your priorities? Well, I, I think I think uh, they, they hold a lot of promise, uh, but we want to do that in a smart fashion, a plan, a well thought out structured approach. Um, obviously, when you're talking about, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning specifically, um, you know, you just can't throw something out there. It needs to be a practical approach to it. Um, and we have some very thoughtful people here. Uh, we, you know, we're starting to get into this area where uh, technology is evolving and there's a more of a partnership that's required, if you will, uh, between the business and IT. So, you know, I, I think you need to get your data practices correct. Uh, you need to work with your business partners on practical applications of uh, artificial intelligence, you know, solutions, as well as machine learning. And uh, especially in our scientific community, they're, they're very pro, um, progressive in that regard. And there's a lot of application for those communities, for those practices. Uh, blockchain, you know, we, we are looking into blockchain and especially in, in the, in the uh, food, uh, specifically in the food and ag sectors on, you know, how we engage, um, you know, private companies and that kind of thing, uh, in terms of what we, how we carry out our mission. Um, so we we are very much looking into those uh, um, those areas, but we want to be smart about how we do that and make sure that you know cybersecurity is encapsulated in all of that as well. You know, we just don't go out and do something and put ourselves in a situation where um, it will come back to bite us in, in, the, in the long run. So, but we're excited about the opportunities we have uh, with those areas. That's great. You know, you mentioned the unique mission of the department earlier. And, you know, in a sense, I want to take my next question and bifurcate it a little bit to external customer experiences. How are you using technology and IT to improve the experience of external customers, those you serve, uh, and what enhancements may be on the horizon for those kind of folks. And also how, the other side of that is, how do you anticipate the technology needs of your internal customers, those who work within the department? Well, I mean, in terms of our customers outside of USDA, I, I think, you know, that's really 
all about, you know, the customer experience EO and, and, and that's probably one of the purposes of it is improved service delivery. So, you know, I, we, we have a very good office of uh, customer experience here. Uh, the deputy secretary is all, is all over this. She is the, she is the leader uh, here in that area. Um, and, you know, we work very closely to make sure that whatever we put in place, you know, the focus is really on improved service delivery and improving people's customer experience. Because when people engage with USDA, you know, we really want them to have a better experience with us than they might have with technology at home. So, you know, you know, we 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 are getting a lot under our feet in terms of you know being able to put things out there to you know have a, a pleasant digital automated experience, uh, making it ease of use, intuition, those kinds of things. Now, in terms of internally, um, we we engage with our mission areas on, and we welcome conversation on you know ideas they may have, on tools they may need to. Um, to make sure that you know they are able to deliver on their mission, on on, on their mission requirements. Um, you know we we are going to um, set up a a more uh, focused practice on emerging technologies, and, um, and being able to work with uh, our mission areas because we we will have a, a CTO here in at some time I hope uh, sometime this summer, and where we will be able to put more focus on making sure that the technology um, advice or, you know, ideas from, you know, our mission areas, you know, we take those and, and see how, we, you know, if there's value in application or if they are, if they um, can be applied, you know, we work with them to make sure that we apply these to um, improve delivery on, on our mission activities as well. Gary, how is your office using data analytics to not only improve services and quality, but also perhaps identify new solutions and services? And more importantly, in what ways are you working with department leadership and staff to use data to make better and more informed decisions? Really, as I said, really for us, it's all about, you know, a, a customer-centric data-driven environment. And um, we, every day, we're maturing our data program. Uh, we have a phenomenal Chief Data Officer Chris Alvarez, we we engage with the mission area on on information that they may need, or 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 how we can you know have mission areas work together on on different you know or the different view of data. You know our our secretary he he um you know he loves data and uh, he has a lot of requests for data that he needs for whatever forms he's in. And our, our chief data officers all over that. I mean, we we deliver uh, data uh, visualization, data products on, on many different priorities, different areas such as climate change, um, whether it be COVID-19. Um, we've worked with administrative areas on data they may need, you know, and, and dashboards of visualization so that everybody can make informed decisions from the same source of data and they won't get into um, different views you know, from the same question. So, you know, we have a governance board here. We have a, a, a data plan, a data strategy. Um, and, you know, we have, we, it, it is uh, like everything else, you know, we we have a practice across USDA where the mission areas uh, participate as well. 
So I, I think USDA, from a data perspective, is, is off to a very good start, given uh, we just started this a few years ago. Why pursue a career in public service? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan Yan Ang presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more. This is The Center This Week, highlighting the latest trends and best practices for improving government effectiveness, brought to you by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I'm Michael Keegan, Managing Editor of the Business of Government magazine. The Center This Week is our opportunity to inform and, most importantly, to invite you, our listeners, to use the IBM Center for the Business of Government as your resource, a how-to resource for improving government effectiveness at the state, local, and federal level. Continuing our discussion on cybersecurity and government, I'd like to welcome Margie Graves, former Deputy Federal CIO within the Office of Management and Budget and visiting fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. So perhaps you could begin uh, by giving us a sense of what is meant by cyber and why securing our cyber world is so important. So I guess we'll start with a little cyber 101. Um, You know, our world is digitally connected on our personal and professional lives, as well as our interactions and transactions with our governments, local and federal. They're all enabled by technology. And this has been highlighted even more dramatically by the COVID epidemic. Um, Global societies are dependent on technology and the internet to transact business. We're all very used to the convenience of being able to use online banking, to renew our car registrations with the DMV or to order practically anything and everything online and have it delivered to our homes. And now that we're working from home, it's even more clear that most of our professional interactions can be supported in that virtual environment also. And my hope is that we actually retain some of the good things that we've learned from operating in the virtual world, even when we're able to return to in-person venues. Securing these environments is so critical because there are nation states, hackers, and common criminals that try to disrupt and usurp online activity for their own purposes. And they generally have nefarious intent, and this can sometimes lead to more dire consequences, everything from personal financial loss to the compromise of national security and loss of life and everything in between. And if a criminal has stolen your personal identity and gained access to your accounts, theft can be the result. If a nation state's gained access to government systems, then the national security is compromised. That's a great uh, point there. Margie, so you come from uh, a a recent stint as deputy CIO uh, for the federal government out of OMB. What are some of the key cyber threats facing U.S. federal government departments? Well, these threats are the kinds of things that keep government officials up at night. I mean, these are not just uh, things that affect the technical environment. Uh, So obviously the CIOs and and their organizations are worried about this on a continuous basis, but every 
a federal official knows what the impact can be if things actually go awry. The adversaries are more and more sophisticated. There are so many threat vectors and they continue to multiply. Uh, we've just seen in the solar winds attack, the exploitation of software supply chain uh, vectors. And this was a zero day attack. Our defense can no longer be static. It has to be responsive in real time. For example, there was no signature for this attack. So it wasn't like we could have, have uh, compared uh, against a, a particular signature that we already had in our possession and, and been able to find it. So uh, these things are more and more sophisticated. Uh, they're getting uh, to the point where uh, they're ubiquitous and they're very um, evolving over time. So constantly changing, constantly evolving. And we have to be vigilant and evolving in the same manner at the same time if we're ever going to get out in front of this. That's an important point. And I was wondering, you know, could you identify for us some of the innovative ways that U.S. federal agencies are trying to combat some of the threats you outlined earlier? Uh, sure. I think there's a, a strong recognition, and you, you see it um, discussed in all of the open forums that we have today, uh, particularly by our most critical experts in this arena, uh, people who have lived this and breathed this and understand exactly what it means to get it right and to get it wrong, uh, have been discussing this in forums such as uh, hearings uh, in the Homeland Security arena and also uh, in good government groups and uh, within agency interactions to make sure that we are all trying to collectively combine our knowledge and our innovation and our ideas uh, to be able to attack this problem. Uh, you see a lot of agencies looking to implement the concept of zero trust and zero trust is assuming that an individual or a location or a device can't be trusted and must be continuously validated. That means that you can't simply gain access uh, to an environment or an application or something of that nature and then uh, move laterally uh, within with unfettered access across that entire environment that you constantly have to be reevaluated in terms of every transaction that you uh, take on. Uh, so for example, if I'm looking at the balances on my retirement account, let's take TSP because that's one that most government officials are familiar with. If you, if you look at the retirement account, uh, you are required to have a username and password, but also you receive a device authentication and a, um, a code uh, that is sent to you. And you can use that code one time. And once that transaction is completed, then the next transaction, you have to be re-validated and you would get another code. That's what I'm talking about. Um, the vulnerability disclosure and the immediate response to that is another thing that agencies are looking at today. Uh, OMB issued just last September a requirement for agencies to up their game in this arena to be more proactive in terms of their um, identification of vulnerabilities uh, in terms of crowdsourcing uh, from all corporate entities as well as government entities who use certain types of software, what those vulnerabilities might be, 
and then conducting an immediate response. Um, CISA and DHS has talked about being more uh, timely in this arena and to uh, be able to have some authorities to actually shut down activity while uh, things are patched and, and brought back to normal. And then finally, uh, proactive defense. And, and that means primarily um, upping the game in terms of our hunt capability. Uh, we have often uh, been relegated to, I think, response and recovery as opposed to proactively going after the adversary once we have some hint uh, that there is some activity going on. So the ability to, um, to do that is very important and we need to balance our primary defenses with the ability to hunt the adversary. And one of the things I'd like to add to that, you know, I said that was my last point, but I just thought of something else. Um, making sure that we are uh, exchanging information in this environment is, is key. And metering our endpoint devices, i.e. our points of entry, uh, so that we are constantly looking at their configurations and their behavior and identifying anomalous behavior, uh, because that is a, usually a key indication of some activity that's going on that shouldn't be. More information on this and other center resources is available at businessofgovernment.org. There you will find how the business of government is not business as usual. For the IBM Center for the Business of Government, I'm Michael Keegan, and this has been The Center This Week. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gary Washington, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Gary, how are you leveraging uh, partnerships and collaboration across both the department, but also the federal enterprise to improve your operations, achieve program outcomes, and execute on your mission? Well, I mean, in, in today's age, I, I think, you know, you, you can't affect, I don't think you can effectively do your job and not collaborate with others. Um, so I, I reach out internally um, to, to leaders across USDA, you know, all the time and get their feedback, you know, get some insight, you know, find out areas where we can collaborate. I always want to know how my organization could be of value uh, to USDA as a whole. So, um, and we, we, you know, we have a very collegial, collegial uh, a group of leaders here uh, that are very honest and transparent, um, you know, they, and I really appreciate their candor. So we work together to make sure that uh, IT can um, provide value for them across USDA. Um, in terms of externally, you know, um, the federal CIO council, um, we have some very talented people, a great group of people on that council. And I work with some of the CIOs. We've worked together on some cross-cutting government activities. Um, you know, since I've been a CIO here, we've been very successful in doing that. You know, I also work with, um, you know, individuals with the, with the uh, food and ag sector as well. And, um, you know, work with, you know, you know, I talk to private industry in terms of getting ideas about what they're doing out there and working with them, you know, on, on things that, you know, possibly could add value to USDA. So, Gary, can you tell us more about the mission of the ACT-IAC Council? 
which is the emerging of the American Council for Technology, which is the government side, and the Industry Advisory Council, which is the private sector side, and your role as president within this org within this council. Well, um, we 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 have a. I'm the act president, obviously, and I, my industry counterpart, as you know, is is Margie Graves, um, and we act. IAC is an organization that provides a lot of value to a lot of people. Um, we have a lot of leadership development activities. We put a lot of forums where uh, people people learn a lot about what's going on with IT across the federal government. We participate in informing administrations on um, you know what what maybe you know I, visionary ideas, things they might want to to make a priority. Those kinds of things. As you know, Dave Winogren, um is, is the CEO of Act. And uh, Act IAC, uh, he's a phenomenal leader, great person. Um, you know, and my role as a president, you know, really is I am the leader on the private, uh, not the private, the government side in, in terms of what we do, um, you know, for, for Act IAC. You know, my term, uh, my term has been two years, so that I have another year as the president. And um, is a family environment. We all, you know, we, we all are very, uh, it's a very open, honest, transparent environment. Um, we invite young people to get involved, uh, always looking to, to, you know, strategically provide value, whether it be private industry or, or the government. Uh, we have a very, uh, we have a great uh, strategic plan moving forward. So, you know, part of my role too is, you know, actually make, keep on track in terms of, you know, what we're doing against the plan and making sure that we all work together to, you know, provide value in, in many different areas across IT. That's terrific. What are you doing, Gary, at USDA in the IT shop around workforce development, recruitment, retention, and, and what is being done to address any type of uh, IT skill skills gaps that you're dealing with? Well, I mean, we, we have an IT workforce plan and, um, you know, we are very aware um, that the, the talents and skill sets of IT professionals um, are changing, have changed and will change. Um, so we need to be prepared for that. Um, so, you know, we have an approach to, you know, you know, reskilling, upskilling, have whatever you want to call it, our current workforce, because we want them to be a part of the journey moving forward. So, you know, we set up programs um, at every every opportunity that we get to make sure that they're part of our future, whether it be uh, some technical challenge or technical skill within IT, or whether it be leadership development. You know, that kind of thing. So we always encourage, um, you know, or or put out there. Um, you know, venues available to them to meet those needs. Um, in addition to that, um, I am partnering with our human resources folks, uh, our office of uh, public and partner, uh, public and uh, private partnership in terms of reaching out to institutions to recruit, you know, new talent as well, because we got to prepare for our workforce for the future. Um, and there are, a lot of, there are a lot of college students out there that aren't aware that USDA from a technology perspective is doing a lot of cool things and there's a lot of opportunities in USDA for a new IT professional to learn and grow and uh, be successful. So, you know, we're, we're reaching out to minority serving institutions, 
in any other venue so that you know we can we can look towards that that IT workforce of the future and, and introduce them to new things at USDA uh, our mission uh, what we do in IT uh, included. Gary, how has the role of the CIO with the federal government and federal agencies, departments, how has that role evolved? And in your mind, what are the characteristics of a successful CIO? Well, I I can't speak for every um, department. I I, I can say that my role here at USDA has evolved. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say I've never felt like a member, uh, like I had a seat at the table, because that's always been the case. But now is it's even enhanced um, in terms of the the venues and the decisions that need to be made and what I'm asked to participate in, and I'm very happy with that. Um, it, is, it is a very strategic position here at USDA. You know, I, I think a lot of my colleagues uh, they they understand the value that technology has in their day to day activities. So we we have more strategic conversations. Uh, and more visionary conversations around, you know, information technology and how we invest in it and 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 the value that we wanted uh, we wanted to bring. So, Gary, you know, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about a career in public service? Oh, I, I think public service is is beautiful. I think it's great. I I, I think um, they need. I, I would not expect, um, you know, you need to be patient. I think you need to be uh, bold <laughs> and in some respects, courageous. I, I'm, I'm proud to be a public servant in terms of the satisfaction I know that I get when I see USDA be successful in our different mission areas, the things that they're able to achieve, because I know, you know, you know, we had a part in that, whether however small or large it is, you know, you know, we've, we had a part in the success of, of the Department of Agriculture. So you know, I, I think um, whether you stay in public service for two or three years or whether you make it an entire career, you know, I, I think this is something worthwhile and it helps you grow. And you know, you're a part of something that in a lot of cases are larger than yourself. So I, I think um, public service, doing public service is a great thing. That's wonderful. Great conversation, Gary. I want to thank you for joining me today. But more importantly, I'd like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Michael. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Gary Washington, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Be sure to join us next time for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government leadership and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, or on your favorite podcast app, and as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us. Wisdom served daily. Experience the difference of the journalists at Federal News Network. WFED Washington, WTOP FM HD2 Washington, W283DG Sterling, WTLP FM HD2 Braddock Heights Frederick. Federal News Network is the news organization of record for the federal community. 
We are nonpartisan, nonpolitical, and our job is to help federal government and contracting executives make informed decisions. We inform federal managers, contractors, and policymakers on issues related to the federal workforce, management, and acquisition, pay benefits and retirement, the Defense Department, and federal IT. Portions pre-recorded. Nights and weekends, we air Washington Nationals, Capitals, and Wizards, and the Navy Midshipmen. We are the Washington, D.C. home of Navy Athletics. Download the Federal News Network app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Play Federal News Network on Alexa. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Federal News Network. Our mission is helping you meet your mission.